Hey, Happy New Year. Awesome to see you guys who are here in person. Those of you who are online worshiping with us, um, it's good to be together. I'm really glad to see you. Um, if you're newer with us, we're really glad about that too. Thanks for coming. Um, thanks for checking us out online. If you are trying to figure this whole thing out, if New Year's resolution, I need to get back to church, or I'm gonna kick the tires of this Christianity thing, who's this Jesus guy, um, we're really glad that you would trust your first start of the new year with, to us, and so we're really glad to be with you. Um, we would love if you'd let us know that you're here, if you're newer. Um, one of the ways you could do that for us is you could, if you're in the room, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you, and you can scan that with your phone, that'll take you to our digital connect card, or if you're in the room, when you walk out of here, you can stop at our welcome desk, and we'd love to meet you, we'll get your contact information, and we'll give you a gift in exchange for that, and um, any questions we could answer, uh, any way we could help you, pray for you, be happy to do that. Those of you who are online, if you just hit the connect button there, that'll take you to our digital connect card, and uh, we'd really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you, to know that you're kicking the tires of this place. So um, I'm really excited, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors, so I get to speak to you today, and we're launching a new series for the new year, and we titled this kind of with a question. It is, um, who, me? Because I wanna talk with you for these next three weeks about some things that are true about you, and I don't think you're gonna like intellectually balk at the idea. I think this is stuff that most of us would kind of shake our head yes to, but the more we say yes to this, the more we understand these things, the more we receive them, the more we can live from them, uh, it's life-changing for us, and so I'm, I'm really excited for this series that we get to be part of together, and so one of the things that I wanna, like what I wanna talk with you about in our time together today is the Bible's statement that, that you, that I, that we are deeply loved, and to do that, I wanna start by considering a prayer, actually, that's prayed over the ancient church at Ephesus. Uh, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, for Christian people, it's a prayer for them, it's a prayer for us about God's love. And, and so as we jump into this, in Ephesians chapter three, verses 17 through 19, this is, this is kind of the last half of a prayer that he's been praying, but just, this is amazing that this prayer would be prayed over people like you and me. So he's, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So there's something, there's something that happens in us and for us when we become aware of God's love for us. I just love how that prayer there towards the end of it, like if, if you could know this love of God for you, like how high and deep and wide it is, like if you could know this love of God for you, it, this love of God for you that is actually unknowable, if God doesn't like, if he doesn't make it known to you, if, if you could know this love, what happens for you then is that you get to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So like, I don't know where you are as you walk into this place, as you sit down, as you watch this online, I don't know where you are in, in your life and whether things are going great or whether things are really struggle right now for you, but you have the opportunity in our time together to begin to receive this, this measure of all the fullness of God like, in you. 
that he would fill you to overflowing as you come to know his love for you. So I was thinking about this in prep for our time together about, about people who are unconvinced or when I'm living unconvinced or unaware of God's love for me, there's some places that it's really easy to go. And so I just kind of made a list of these things that when you're, when you're unconvinced or you're only partly convinced about God's love for you, this is like this list isn't in any kind of order or anything, but just I was, I was thinking through these things. You could end up, like you could end up in despair over that. Not, not an emotion. We talked about this, at, I think Christmas Eve, we talked about despair is not an emotion, despair is a perspective. And, and when you are unaware of God's love or you're not knowing God's love for you, you can end up, you can end up in a place where it's just like, I am unlovable and I am without hope. You know, like you, just to start right off, that you can end up in despair. Um, another place that we go when we're not aware of God's love for us, disappointment. Because when, when we are living apart from God's love for us, um, we're missing out on that and we're looking for it. And we go looking for it. And we look for it in, in places where we do not find it and we end up riding a roller coaster. And so, you know, maybe you'd look for love in a relationship with another person and kind of as that thing is new and it's taken off and there's excitement and there's like, oh yeah, I've got, I'm feeling what I'm missing. And, and then it's just, but that's not it. That's not what you've been looking for and it's not what God has for you. And so there's just, there's the downward turn of that. And, and you look for it in a relationship, maybe in marriage, oftentimes people are looking for what only God can give them from their spouse. And, and there's disappointment, like long-term disappointment in marriage relationship because you're missing out on the love of God in your life. You're not receiving that, you're not knowing that, and, and you're looking to your spouse to fill that, and that, that's not something that they can do, and so there's this disappointment, or you turn to, to like a hobby, and there's this, this newness and freshness and excitement in the hobby, or maybe you get maybe forward, you're getting better at the thing that you're doing, and there's just, all right, finally, it's, I'm feeling filled up, and then it's just, it just craters to the end, or you go unhealthy places for unhealthy things, and you, you begin to seek out, and there's this, there's this roller coaster that you ride, the, the ups, but there's always the down, and the down is always way more severe, and so there's this disappointment that comes from not, from not knowing and experiencing the love of God. Third thing that, that hits us when we don't know God's love in our lives is performance mode. And this is, I'll just tell you, this is where, this is where I end up a lot of times, um, trying to earn, trying to deserve, trying to, like if I can perform well enough for other people or for God himself, like if I could, if I could obey the rules in just the right way or if I could, if I could end up, like if I could just, if I try harder, if I try harder, finally, maybe I'll be able to earn or deserve or, receive, or somehow I could end up with this, this feeling of being loved, being appreciated, being, I could, I could get there if I could just, if I just work harder at this. And we end up in performance mode. And if you've ever been there, you know that that is a treadmill. That is a, that is a loop that you just, there's, there's no space off of. You're just, you're just running and running. There's no exit ramp from that. And so you can end up in performance mode. You can also end up in spiritual apathy you're unaware of God's love for you, just apathetic because, because it feels like, I mean, nothing ever measures up, right? You, you never end up with fullness, and if you never end up with fullness, like you, you get that disappointment enough times, then you're gonna end up with just like, hey, listen, 
nobody really cares about me, and so I can't really care about this, right? This church stuff, religion stuff, God stuff, it, it must not, like, it's not doing it for me, and so I just, like, I'm just giving up. I'm just quitting, there's, there's spiritual apathy that comes from that. And then that last one there on the list is anger. And there's, there's an anger that can begin to boil within us when we're not experiencing the love of God. Because we, we look at life, we look at our circumstances, we look at the things that are happening around us, and instead of seeing them through the lens of God's love and seeing them as something that is being invaded by and worked with by our loving Heavenly Father, we see them as just stuff that's happening to us when we begin to ask questions and find ourselves in a spot where we just, we're just boiling on the inside. And none of these places are healthy for us. None of these places are healthy for us, and so it's an important thing for us to, to know and to experience the love of God in our lives because as we begin to know and experience his love for us, then these things, this list flies out the window in our lives and we get to know and we get to experience this, what we read in those verses, the measure of the fullness of God. So, so I'm sitting back looking at that little phrase there about experiencing the measure of the fullness of God and thinking, what, what in the world does this mean? So what I did was, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the Bible, the, what we read in English was actually written, the New Testament was written in the first century AD, so it's, an, it's old writing, and it was written in the ancient Greek, so common Greek, and so what we have now, we have translations of it. So there, there are a number of different translations in English that kinda, they all take the same Greek words and they, they help us understand them, and so different people write from a little bit different point of view. And, and so I just grabbed a few of those other translations for us. And so in the NIV, we read that we could be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, that's the New International Version. That's the one that we use in here um, most weeks. And then this second one that I have, and it's called the New Living Translation. This is the one I'm actually reading through this year. So I read through the Bible every year, and this is what I'm reading through. And so this is, if you know and experience the love of God, if you know this love that God has for you that's unknowable, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Like this is sounding pretty good to me as I'm reading through these things. Um, the New English Translation, the Net Bible, if you know and experience the love of God and you're knowing this love that he has for you that is actually unknowable unless he makes it known to you, you get to be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then the Passion Translation, this was Pastor Greg's favorite. This is the one he always quotes, so I look at it and the Passion Translation, I really like this one too. It talks about when you know the love of God, you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So being filled up to the overflowing with the fullness of God, all of who God is and his love for you and his blessings towards you, like it fills you up to the point of overflowing. This is what you and I get to experience when we know the love of God in our lives. So what I wanna do for a little bit is I wanna talk with you about this love that God has for you and about the importance of you knowing and understanding these things. This is so important to know God's love for you that God the Father actually declared his love for Jesus when Jesus was on the earth. Like this, there was this, this moment, it was at Jesus' baptism and this is recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark chapter one so at that time, so Jesus is about 30 years old at this point, and, and he is coming to be baptized by John the Baptist, and that's a whole nother thing, but it's this intense, beautiful, spiritual moment, 
and it's the launching of Jesus' earthly ministry. So, so from this baptism moment, Jesus is begin, gonna begin to preach and teach and heal and ultimately end up at the cross and resurrection, but this is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And so as Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee, he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. So just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, descending on him like a dove and then the voice came from heaven and said, speaking to Jesus, you are my son whom I love. and With you, I'm well pleased. So here at the beginning of, of Jesus' earthly ministry, when he was, he was going to begin to, to pour out God's love on, into the lives of the people in that nation of Israel to spread around the globe to people like you and me, at the very beginning of all that, God spoke to him and said to him, you're my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. And that moment was, was critical. And if Jesus, the son of God, needs to know and to hear God's love for him as he begins to live that love out in his life, how much more for people like you and me to know this love that God has for us, to be able to hear from him that he loves us so that we can be filled to the fullness of who he is. And so what I wanna do is I wanna give you five things about God's love for us. This feels like, like, this feels like an impossible task for me because we got like 20 something minutes left and we're gonna talk about the love of God in 20 minutes. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of push us off into the, into the water here and we're gonna, we're gonna talk for a little bit, but the things we're gonna talk about, this is, this is where God has demonstrated his love for you, this is the kind of love he has for you. And as you begin to know this, and you know it at deeper and deeper levels, if some of you maybe have been in this stuff like I have, you've been in this all your life, and like you know this, but when you know this, the depths of who you are, this makes all the difference for how you get to live your life. So here are five things about the love that God has for you. The first thing about his love is a pursuing love. It's a love that comes to find you. We see this, we learn this about God's love in the very beginning of the Bible. So first, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, the first book of the Bible. We see this God who is, who is powerful, who is creative, who, who you know, creates all that we know and see and then creates our first parents, Adam and Eve, and he puts them in this garden. And he loves them and he's with them. He's this God who's personal. He's God who's present. They're in relationship together. And... And then Adam and Eve are deceived by Satan, the serpent, to eat the fruit. And as soon as they eat the fruit, the forbidden fruit, the Bible talks about how like, they, they came to know, they, they were aware of the knowledge of good and evil. And they begin to know things that weren't for them to know. And, and they became aware that they were naked. And so they covered themselves and they also became fearful of God because they had violated his rules and they went and hid from him. And God came to find them. And in Genesis chapter three, verses eight and nine, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to him and said, where are you? Where are you? And, and he, wasn't, like, he, wasn't, he wasn't confused about where they were. He's, he's the all-knowing God. He knew where they were. 
but he came to them and he asked them the where are you questions so that they would like, look at where they are. Where are you? you? You could be with me, you could be in relationship with me, look where you are, you're, you're hiding. But he came to find them. When they had hidden themselves from him, he came to find them. And that, that is just a beautiful thing about his kind of love. It doesn't matter what you've done. Right? It doesn't matter what you've done and where you are, like where you have run because of what you have done. He's, he's pursuing you. There's this beautiful psalm, it's Psalm 139. Middle of that psalm, the psalmist David, King David, he writes this, this questions, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Like there's, there's nowhere you can go to get away from God's love for you, to get away from him because he has this pursuing kind of love and it's this beautiful thing that, that you, may, you may feel like you're far from God. You could be far from God. You may feel like you're far from God, like you, you, are, you're in, you are hiding in the bushes from him. You may be far away from him, but he is not far away from you because he has a pursuing kind of love. He's always coming after you. In Isaiah chapter 62, God's talking about his relationship with the ancient nation of Israel, his, his ancient people, and he says about himself, he says, all day long, I have held up my hands. And, and then he talks about them to, to stubborn, disobedient people, but all day long, here I am all day long pursuing people who who are far from me, they're far from me, but I'm not far from them. So God is this pursuing kind of love for us. His love for us is also sacrificial. He is, he is this giving kind of love. Now, Romans chapter five, verse eight, talks about God's love for us, and it says this. It says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So. So God didn't wait, because he's got a pursuing kind of love. So he didn't wait for you and for me to figure it all out and to clean ourselves up and to come back for him. He came to us, and while we're still hiding from him, and while we've still got our hand up and trying to stay away, trying to stay far, while we were in that condition, God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he died in my place, he died in your place, our sin qualifies us for death. And, and so instead of you dying, instead of me dying, because God's love is sacrificial, what he's done for us is he, he took that death and he put it on Jesus and Jesus entered into death, your behalf, my behalf, because God's love for us, it's a sacrificial kind of love. In John chapter three, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world, which we just sang, for God so loved the world, that he gave. The way in which God loves, the kind of love that he has is a giving love, and he gave his one and only son. So not a small gift, a costly gift, a, a close to his heart gift, a sacrificial gift. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And hear this, for God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. So God gave Jesus so that you and I could be rescued. This, this love that God has for you is it's not just a sacrificial love, it is a, it's a rescuing kind of love. It's, it's love that wants to reach out to you and to, to save you from where you are and, and bring you to where you should be. And, and it's this beautiful rescuing love. I love what the psalmist writes. This is in Psalm chapter 40, verses two and three. Speaking of God and his love for us, he said, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand and he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And, and so it's this, this testimony of God's willingness to pursue, to come and to reach down into the mud and the dirt, the places where you and I find ourselves because of our own willfulness, our walking away, the mistakes we've made, the sins we've committed. Like we, and he's willing to reach down into that mess and to pick us up out of all of that and to, to put us on firm ground and to, to give us place to walk and to run and to rescue us from where we would take ourselves. Like this is, this is the kind of love that God has for you. He has this rescuing kind of love for you. And then this next word that we've hung up there about God's love, it's a parental love. It's a parental love. And this is important to know about God's love for you and for me, that, it, that he, he sees us like a parent loves a child. And the fullest and most perfect expression of all of that. And so if you, if you have a kid, you kind of understand a little bit of how God loves you by the way that you love your child. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it talks about how God disciplines the people that he loves. And so he has the, there's this parental love that he has for his children. And I was just thinking back to what he said over Jesus at Jesus' baptism. So there's this unconditional statement. You are my beloved son. You're the, you're the son that I love. And then, and then there's, the, kind of there's some expectation connected to this love statement. He says of Jesus, with you, I'm well pleased. Because Jesus had spent his life, lived in submission to his father's will and way. And so his father was looking at him and saying, unconditionally, you're my son, I love you. Unconditionally, I love you, and I, I am pleased with you. And so it's, it's this parental love. It's not some sloppy, just, hey, we're all, we're all loved, and there's, there's, like, God's not a person, and he doesn't have emotion, he doesn't have will, and, like, he's not any different than us. It just, it's not that kind of love where we just get to do whatever we want. There's this parental aspect to it where he looks at his people and says, hey, I love you. I do, I love you. And, and, and there's the and in that. And so for you and for me, we get to know that we're loved by this God who's our father and who looks at us, who looks at us and sees us and, and loves us deeply and longs to be in relationship with us and pursues us and sacrifices for us and is willing to rescue us. And you and I have the opportunity to respond to his love. And so I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but there's this, this parental love that has that, that unconditional piece to it, but there's some expectation that comes alongside of it. And then I also, with his love, the parental side of it, in the New Testament, there's this little book called 1 Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's 
first followers. And, and Peter was the guy who was brash, he was outspoken. Like if somebody was gonna stick their foot in their mouth, um, it's, it's Peter. Peter's the guy that, you know, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he's like, Jesus, I'm with you, I'm gonna die for you. And Jesus says, no, actually not, man, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter's like, I would never do something. And he did something like, like he did that. Peter's that guy. He was the guy who's always out front declaring. So Peter, he writes later in life, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he's writing to this whole church. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, seeing God as our heavenly father, knowing who Jesus is, the kind of, the kind of love he has for us. He says, he says to us, as Christian people, he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so he's this, it's this parental kind of love that, that you and I have the opportunity. We do not have to live in our own fear. We don't have to live in our own frustration. We do not have to live with our own worries, concerns, anxieties. There's, there's a person who will take them and will, he desires for us to come to him and to, and to put them on him. Because your shoulders, my shoulders, aren't big enough to handle what falls on us, in this world in which we live and the trouble we get ourselves in, but his are. And so he is, as our father, he invites us to come to him and to, and to cast our anxieties on him because he cares about us. And so it's this parental love that he has for us. And then that last, that last statement there about his love is, it is an over-redeeming love. And, and this means so much to me, that he, that he loves us with this kind of love, an over-redeeming love. If we think back to that Psalm, Psalm 40, where he lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and out of the mire. He set my feet on the rock, right? So he, he picked me up and out and he put my feet down in this place. So I've been rescued here. He's... He's rescued me. And then there's a next thing that happens because like that, if you just see that as being redeemed, of being redeemed, being pulled out of the mire and put on the rock, and then, then what he did after that, on top of that, is the psalmist writes, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. And so it's not just like this rescuing kind of love where we get pulled out of the pit and put on the, on the rock, but you get pulled out of the pit and you get put on the rock and, and you get a new song to sing to him and to others, and it's just this over-redemption that happens in our life. And, and I love, like the Apostle Paul, rightly, we, we hold him in high esteem. So he's this, he's a giant of the faith in church history. He wrote, he wrote most of the New Testament. God used him in amazing ways to carry the good news about Jesus into the parts of the world that just nobody was going, and he was going there, and he had this tremendous opportunity, and he was, he was really the guy who planted the seeds of the church in, in the ancient world. But before, before he was that guy, he was, he was a Jewish scholar, a Pharisee, the group of people who, when Jesus was on earth and teaching and performing miracles, they were always standing back saying, wait a minute, he's making some claims about himself that only God could say, and we need, we need to stop that. Like, we need to shut all that down. And, and Paul was one of those guys who was in that group, and when they crucified Jesus, like, he would, he would have been around in that, and then as the church, and you read in the book of Acts, where it's kind of talking about after Jesus rose from the dead, and kind of Christianity is really starting to, to blossom. Paul was one of the guys who, 
He was trying to shut it all down. When he met Jesus, he had, he had legal papers in his pocket and he was headed to the ancient city, Damascus, and he was, his purpose was to, was to go and find the Christian people and to, to grab them, to imprison them, to execute some of them, to destroy that little church there. And Jesus met him and, and knocked him off his horse and said some things to rescued him, rescued him from, from that life of, of anger and hate and bitterness and headed the wrong way thinking he was right. Jesus rescued him from that, this guy who was a destroyer of the church and and what he did for him, not just rescued him from being that, he over-redeemed him. And the apostle Paul becomes the guy who went from being a destroyer of the church, redeemed from that, to being the guy who's really planting the seeds and laying the foundation of Jesus for the church. You and I sit here as part of all this today because of the over-redemption work that God did in the life of the Apostle Paul. That's the kind of love that he has. And that story about the Apostle Paul that we know from Scripture has been, those kinds of stories are present in the lives of people. Many of you have that story in your life where you were headed one, day, one way and you had, made, you had made decisions in your life that were, that were disastrous and were the exact opposite of what God had and what God wanted for you. And he has met you and he has rescued you and not only has he put you in a solid place, he's now using you to minister to people, to help people who are going the way that you used to go. If this, this is the kind of love that God has for you. He is, he is never just sitting back waiting for you to figure it out, he is chasing you. He is, because he loves you, the pursuing kind of love. C.S. Lewis, who's a philosopher and Christian writer, he referred to God as the hound of heaven. The hound of heaven. Like just because he is, he is coming after you, right? And so he loves you and he's pursuing you and he has sacrificed for you and he will rescue you and he will parent you in perfect love as your father and he will over-redeem you. You may feel like you're far from God, but he is not far from you. And what he wants to do for you, he, want, he, wants, to, he wants to give you his kind of life. And so this kind of love, this kind of love deserves a response from us. This is, as I think about these things and read through the scripture and hear this kind of stuff, like this is, this is not the kind of stuff that we could, this is not the kind of love that you should just sit where you are and say, oh, okay, about this. This is, this is an amazing kind of love that God has for us. And so this is the kind of love to receive. And think back to the beginning of that prayer the Apostle Paul wrote, and we read at the start, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love. You know, that rooted from, you know, from the garden of, of a tree or a plant, roots grown down deep into love, and being grounded in love, like from the construction side, about foundation being laid, and like foundation of who you are in your life, like that you'd be rooted and grounded in God's love for you. And, and you can't earn this love and you can't deserve this love. He, all day long, he holds out his hands to people like you and me. And, and so to, to receive this love that he offers to us and to continue to say yes in this, this is, 
This is a one-time yes, but it's an everyday yes too. That you would, you would receive this love that God offers to you. And then as you receive it, you get to live in it. To be rooted and grounded in it. And you draw, you draw your life from it. And, and you, you get to like build your life on it. And then so you get to live in this love that he has for you. Not walk away from it. Not go looking for, for love in other places. Like you, get to, you get to be in his love. Like you get to live in his love. You get to be a person who just... Your life is surrounded by him and by his love for you, knowing that he has picked you up out of a miry pit and he has put you on solid ground and he has given you a new song to sing. You can live in that. And then you get to live from it. You get to get live from it. And this is a huge difference maker in your life when you know that the God of the universe is also your father in heaven and he loves you and he has he has rescued you and he has redeemed you and he has over-redeemed you and you do not have to perform and you do not have to earn and you do not have to buy, like you just get to receive and you get to receive not just the fullness but the fullness to overflowing. And so this, this love that God has for us that you and I would know this love that he has for us, how, how high and deep and long and wide it is for us and as we come to know this love, that the only way you can know it is when he, when he makes it known to you. The only way you can know it is as he makes it known to you. And as he makes it known to you, your response to this is yes. And then what you and I get to experience in our lives is to be filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. To be filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. And so here we are at the beginning of this brand new year. And we have we have an opportunity this weekend that, that could change everything for us. To say yes to this love that God has for you. To receive it, to, to live in it, to commit yourself to living in it and to living from it so that you could be the kind of person who is filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So could I pray for that for us? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? And I am gonna pray for us in just a minute, but this could be a moment for you. Just to say yes to this love that God has for you. Maybe, you. maybe you're here and watching this online and you're, you've never said yes to this rooting and grounding in God's love that he, that he has for you. See, I'm rooted, I'm grounded somewhere else. Something else, I'm, I'm adrift looking for. And that God would root you, you say, would you root me, would you ground me in your love? Maybe you've never received this love that he has for you that's been given to you through Jesus. We celebrate it in communion. Just a, a faith moment. where you would, you would receive from your heavenly father the forgiveness that he wants to give to you, the life that he wants to give you. Maybe you saw yourself in that list of ways we live when we are, when we are forgetting, when we're not receiving God's love for us. You need to walk away from that and back to your father who has, looked for you, 
whose arms are open for you. So Father, in this moment, would you make us deeply aware of how high and deep and wide and long your love is for us. Would you, would you make it so we can know something that is unknowable? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you say to and over us what you said of Jesus that that we're your beloved children. So that we cannot resist it. So that we cannot walk away from it. Would you, would you draw us deeper into your love so that we can experience more and more of your fullness? and be the kind of people who overflow with love into the lives of those who are around us. Jesus, you have led the way, and it's your love that has overflowed to us. So we say yes to that, and we're really grateful, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.